The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Are You Not Entertained? Now here's your host, Ed Nathanson. Stop, dudes! So we're joined today by someone I'm really excited to talk to. Um, uh, I've been a big fan of his for a long time, as, a, as you all know, the listener is a massive Patriots fan, but also someone who's done a lot with his career. And I'm excited to introduce Pat's Insider from NBC Sports Boston, Tom E. Curran. Tom, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. I appreciate you reaching out and... Uh... Let's have a good talk. Let's do Let's it. Get Let's do it. Yeah, let's get them. All right. So, Tom, this is probably going to be different than when you call into other shows that want to interview about Patriot stuff. I mean, I, I do, but I also want to talk a little bit about you um, because I'm doing some research on you. You were an English major in college, as was I. So we have that in common besides being ruggedly handsome. And one of the things, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things I was thinking about is... You know, coming out of college for me, English major was a was a weird launching pad. You know, you could be a teacher and maybe get into some other things. I ended up in the world of HR and recruiting and hiring. Was this your goal from the beginning to be a sports reporter? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. All right. So either that or, either that or to be on TV, um, you know, kind of in the – see, I went to St. Anselm. I, I looked at Fairfield, Marist, and other places that had communications – and the opportunity in Syracuse um, to go for the television concentration. But honestly, I didn't get into Fairfield. I didn't like Marist. Um, I didn't apply to Syracuse. So my brother was at St. A's, so I went to St. A's. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, I'll figure it out. Because the urgency wasn't there then, as it seems to be for kids now, to know what in God's name you're supposed to be doing at 19. So I said, <laughs> yes. I'll just go there, and I'm good at writing, I'm good at communicating, I'll stick with that. And then we'll figure out figure it out from there. Yeah, awesome. So I saw in looking up a little history on you before we got on the phone that you were in sales at one point. It was that kind of like the the back burner career to get to where you are, as you were kind of you know hustling to get there, or was it something that you kind of said was there was there another plan like a plan B? No, I mean it's you know I was I graduated college at twenty one, mm-hmm. and by October November of I didn't do any writing in college necessarily except for my papers. I didn't go to the student newspaper. The only thing I did relative to this kind of career was to work with Frank Malico at Channel 9 on an unpaid internship that I just went and knocked on his door. I didn't get credits for it or anything. I just said, can I, can I work with you? And he let me do it. So I came out of college with zero experience. By the time October had rolled around, I was spraying lawns for a company on the Cape called The Lawn Company. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm like, you know, everybody else is getting jobs. I feel like I need to get a job like that. Yeah. I just, you know, panicked. I panicked. <laughs> yeah, so I that money thing. Home security systems. Right. Yeah. Um, so I took a job selling home security systems. And people talk about the 2008 recession, and it was significant, but the 1989 and 1990. Um, period was not a great time to be entering the workforce either. So selling fairly high-priced AT&T home security systems at the time was not lucrative, nor did I really want to be doing it. So I washed out of that and was back spraying lawns in about uh, 14 months. 
So my sales career was bridge. Yeah. So it's interesting to me, you know, that first of all, congrats. Uh, you're in a role that a lot of people probably envy, myself included. Um, but to us fans who listen to you, who read your Twitter, who read your posts, you read your articles, it looks so fun. But I know that it, in your experience, it probably isn't fun in games all the time. So what are some things that suck about your job that we never hear or would never know? You're at, and we're seeing it this week, you are at the mercy of the news cycle. Yeah. I didn't get into covering the NFL or wanting to be a sports writer to try and differentiate between civil and criminal litigation <laughs> right? Um, yeah. or try to respectfully discuss very serious allegations of violence toward women mm. while also making sure I carefully toe the line when I do mention that individuals also deserve due process. So that's not a lot of fun. It's not a lot of fun to sometimes, for instance, last night I was on, and it's such a jumble as to what television stations or digital outlets or writing is all about. It's hard to say, okay, well, if somebody says, as Gary Tangway did last night, the Patriots knew. Well, yeah. Gary's expressing an opinion, but I'm on the other end of that. And when I pushed back and said, you know, that's, that's not a fact. We don't know that they knew because I have to have a journalism or a journalistic approach to it. I could say, I think they knew, or it seems hard to believe they knew. You have to coach it that way. And we got into a little, you know, tete-a-tete about whether I'm on a high horse. And I still think that regardless, if you're in a position where you're supposed to be disseminating information, people have to know whether or not your information is based in fact or straight opinion. Absolutely. And I think over the course of time, I'm not always going to say, I think, I think, I think, but there's oftentimes I can't say who my sources are. And I think people need to be able to trust, oh, that guy knows what the hell he's talking about. Generally, he knows his shit. So I'm going to believe him. I don't want to get into a situation where the people I'm dealing with are serving up to me their opinions, and they expect me to blithely go along with those opinions without saying, you don't know that. Right. So that's, that can be, that, it's hard to be compelling and what we consider entertaining while still being, it shouldn't be hard, but it's, it's, it's a, again, another line we must toe. Right. So it's it's interesting. You you brought up a, a you know the the Antonio Brown thing for example. It's a great thing that could possibly be. Obviously, he weren't a lawyer, so not so fun. Our, my producer is though. <laughs> He's a lawyer by trade. But um, with that, one no of the comment. Th- yeah. <laughs> one of the things I was thinking about with this whole Antonio Brown thing, and I don't want to get into what's going to happen or anything like that. That that's conjecture. But as a reporter, mm-hmm. a, as someone who's out there putting this information out, do you do you you mentioned? I think the answer is going to be yes, but I'd love to hear your take on it. With, without due process, is there a line you have to follow or some path you follow about what you put out versus maybe what's already out there? For example, like the Malcolm Brown thing. It's a very obviously abused his women towards the Super Bowl. Yeah. Malcolm Butler, sorry, Malcolm Butler, sorry, uh, in the Super Bowl, um, thinking about, like, that's a much lesser issue, obviously, in the scale of things. But there were rumors that why he didn't play, what happened, but it never came out. And here, I wonder, is it just because of the person? Is there things like, how do you determine at what point you say what you say, what you don't say, what you pull back? Or is there any line? Yeah, there should be a line. I mean, 
there's a difference between a rumor or a supposition that might be received 15th hand, mm-hmm. i.e. Malcolm Butler and the reason he didn't play, mm-hmm. and an actual civil lawsuit that you can you know, yeah. come through and say, oh, okay, well, apparently he uh, masturbated on her back right. and then violently raped her and also exposed himself to her. You know, those aren't opinions that I'm voicing. It's the accusation of the alleged victim. So as a result, there is no hesitation at all to relate what she accuses him of. However, what she accuses him of, while we share that, we can also very easily and ought to give his side of things. And if it, there is no criminal involvement, criminal law enforcement involvement, or criminal investigation ongoing, it is he said, she said, despite the fact that hers is down on the printed page and yeah. it's been a, a filed lawsuit. Yeah. It, very interesting. So, so I guess, you know, I want to take it to, um, you know, I've, I love learning about your career, but now I want to take it to some of the questions I'm sure the listeners are dying for me to ask you in the way that we do. So first is you get to interact with the players, the coaches, the executives of the team quite a bit. And even with the fans a lot, what's the most memorable interchange or exchange you've ever heard between a player and a fan or a player and you during a game? During a game? Well, no, so you're not in the game, uh, but yeah, during a game or even outside a game, maybe hanging with the fans, talking to players. What's the most memorable exchange? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so apart from a game between a player and a player and myself? Yeah. I'm just trying to hammer this out. Yeah, yeah, a, play, oh, a player uh, and you. I mean, I've, I've had a lot. I mean, for instance, I mean, I'm fortunate to cover the team that I cover and the history that it has and the historical nature of it. So and to do it for a long time. I mean, I've, um, you know, I had dinner with Bill Belichick uh, in 2007 on a Tuesday before the Super Bowl along with you know, Keyshawn Johnson and um, Sean King, former Bucks quarterback, Bears and Jerry, and one of Belichick's high school friends um, named Mark, uh, Linda Holiday so at cool. that time. Um, so we went out to dinner in, in Arizona, and I, you know, I was at the table, um, with them just, you know, enjoying it. Bill does not necessarily talk much. You hear us he laughing. Wants to hear what we, other people yeah. have to say. Right. And, and, you know, that's, that struck me that night. At, at one point he looked at me, just, I think to include me, he said, so what's the story this week? What's the big story? I looked at him and I go, um, I think it's, I think it's whether or not you guys, uh, win and, uh, have the first 19 and 0 season in the history of the league. <laughs> I mean, like, what do you think? I mean, so it was, uh, it was a, it was a cool experience. And I've had a, a I've had a, I would say 80% of my relationship with Belichick has been very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think over the last year or two, it has cooled a bit. Um, perhaps it's cooled with a lot of people, I think in the media, certainly after, you know, the reporting that we did on, how things were within the organization relative to, to Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Right, and right. Prior to that, we've, we've always had a solid relationship. This time, you know, tried to whack my nose with the newspaper about different things I've said or written, and I've explained to him why I said or wrote those things. You know, um, Tom, I have to say... But you, he's always been good to me. Yeah, you've, you've always struck me, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you. I was saying this years before we've ever talked, that you were the one guy in the Boston media who kind of tells it like it is in a Bostonian kind of way, and I've always really liked that about you. So because you do Thanks. that, because you, you don't you know, have the bullshit meter you know, going up, 
Do you worry? I mean, as a reporter and, and not a reporter, I should say, I, it may be an obvious question to answer for you, but do you worry that saying it as it is and being so straightforward that you might disrupt some relationships you need to be effective in your job? Absolutely. But that, that there comes a point, that's why you can't be willful. And that's why you can't be haphazard with what you say. Do you want it to be based in fact? Do you want it to be rooted in truth? You know, when I say a report that there are issues between um, the triumvirate of Brady, Belichick, uh, and Gronkowski, rooted in fact. And mm-hmm. it's not rooted in one person removed several times from the explanation. It's rooted in multiple conversations related to that. Yeah. Um, efforts, to, efforts to vet it from the other side Fell on, fell on deaf ears, and that's the way it is with, with journalism. You know, you hope that you're able to get both sides of everything, but in the case of that, the turmoil that existed, and they really did do a good job, I think, tamping it down last year after the season began. It said, you know what, let's cut the shit and just all row in the same direction. And I think that Bill Belichick did um, loosen up and lighten up and explain to, again, this is what was related to me and certainly seems to be the case, said, you know what, I could have done some things differently relative to Guerrero, relative to um, the way you guys felt, relative to the things that you wanted to do um, with your training. Yeah. And they moved forward because Brady's a conciliatory guy. He doesn't like having that negative stuff. Yeah. I think it left a dent with Gronk that probably helped lead to where we are now with him being retired. But it was legitimate, and that's why I reported on it. But there also comes a point where, okay, am I going to pull all my punches because I'm afraid that Bill's not going to talk to me, when I'm really not getting that much anyway. (laughs) You and everybody else, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's also a reticence on people in the media, in the folks who cover the team on a daily basis, to ask questions of him that may be perceived by the fan base as being combative or unfair. And I think that the fan base has an extremely low bar for what they consider combative or unfair. It's you know, so anything true. Anything that questions a decision uh, is not necessarily questioning Bill Belichick's bona fides as the greatest coach in NFL history. So when I write the Patriots should run like hell from Antonio Brown, and they don't, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, they really effed up. This is an incredible mistake by them. They'll never recover. Of course not. I'm going to say, well, they know what they're doing, hopefully, and we'll see if it works out. I look forward to the football, but we'll see what happens. But I'm not going to really, and I haven't really taken a victory lap over um, yeah. the shit that's come out this week. It's yeah. embarrassing, and, and, you know, I'm not taking a victory lap over something like that. Do it but now, Tom. Tom, like that we'd appreciate if you took the victory lap now on Ed's podcast. <laughs> it would be fun. <laughs> He took the victory lap. <laughs> he's, he's, he's we want you to I'm take it on this podcast. <laughs> I, 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 there is, look, I know chaos accompanies him. You know it. Most of the fan base knows it. Yeah. Whether this is founded or unfounded, this is the kind of shit that you're probably going to have to deal with, whether it's late to a meeting, um, not showing up for some event that you're supposed to, uh, an accusation, and again, the severity of this is far worse than a, showing up late for a meeting. No doubt. But, you know, this is the chaos that follows him. Whether it's founded or unfounded, he lived a life that puts himself in situations, perhaps with folks who are going to look at him as someone who could either be targeted or who might do something stupid enough. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who say, geez, you know, why does she keep going back and have three different occasions of it? Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't, uh, and I don't know what the people, you can still show up someplace. And I think the final one was her accusation, at least by her timeline, um, of a rape, a violent rape. Uh, you can still have those things happen. So as dubious as everyone wants it to seem, those things can happen among people who are otherwise friends. Yeah. Or seem to, to once at one time have a friendship. No question. It's it's just such a you know, a situation that is just A, awful on every level, but B, it's something that, you know, we as Patriots fans were on this amazing high, and all of a sudden, 24 hours later, it's like a screeching halt to all of us to, to have that. All right, so I know I want to be respectful of your time. Just a few more fun questions. You know what? I'm still driving, so you can go. All right, cool, 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 cool. All right, so first is, um, what's the biggest misconception you think fans have about you and what you do? What is the biggest misconception they think about the life that you have. What's been the most interesting thing to me to get my brain around, I think, is that you go from growing up in Pembroke, being in this area my entire life, um, and not appreciating the fact that when you are on television multiple times a day, as I have been since 2009, um, for a decade, that you're going to be recognized and people are going to be pretty happy to see you because I still look at I'm a guy who does this job, but I'm not a celebrity. I look at myself as you know the same level of celebrity as now as I guess I'm like you know Bruce Schwegler or Barry Burbank, <laughs> right? Or, you yeah, know, whoever. It's the same thing. You're there all the time, so as a result, there's a modicum of celebrity that comes with it. But I, I think that growing up here, you. Yeah, I think people are surprised when they see me at the Rainham Athletic Club playing in the friggin' basketball league <laughs> or standing in line at a Dunkin' Donuts. And, or, and, and how know, do you handle that if people fanboy or fangirl out to you? What do you does it make you uncomfortable? That's fine. It's, 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 uh, it can be if... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to have a challenged conversation about some shit that I wrote days ago <laughs> or how I... I can imagine, you know, yeah. I'm wrong about Antonio Brown when I'm buying a, you know a foot long at Subway. I'm not there for that. You know. <laughs> right. Absolutely. But, uh, but I always certainly appreciate the fact that people are watching, and I always make sure to say thank you for reading and thank you for watching. Really appreciate it. Because generally speaking, most people are extremely, um, you know, they're happy to see somebody. Like, you know, even if they're like, uh, a guy can be kind of a dick and a little condescending sometimes. When they see it, like, oh, hey, it's just a regular guy. I'm the same, generally, I'm the exact same person privately as I am on TV, I think. Awesome. Uh, all right. So my next question, this is going to sound silly to you, but I mean it from my soul. Is Tom as dreamy as I think he is? <laughs> I, I, my wife says that, you know, I would leave her for him. <laughs> That's the level of my obsession. Is he amazing as, as he puts himself out there to be? Is there some side of him that we don't ever see? Uh, no, he is absolutely as dreamy as you think and probably more. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I mean, it. He is he he is better in a one on one conversation at his locker than he is at the podium. And it doesn't matter if you're from the Daily Bugle or where I'm from that you've, he's known you for twenty years or from NBC or wherever. He ESPN. He looks you in the eye, shakes your hand, listens to your question, and has an interaction with you. And I think that that's one of the coolest things about him. Now, there's times when he's Hot foot into the locker room, and he's got shit to do. Right, but he is as respectful of everyone, everyone 
as you could possibly imagine. Um, you know, yesterday, and this is talking out of school a little bit, but um, <clears throat> there was something that was put out that Jerry Thornton reblogged about Brady's numbers relative to Joe Montana. I saw jump. that. I saw that. So, yeah. So Brady finished at the podium, and I want to try and – I don't want him to every time he sees me wandering by think, oh, here comes Curran, and now I'm going to have to take the next minute and a half out of my day at work when I'm busy shooting the shit with him about nothing in particular. Yep. So I'm like, hey, what's up, buddy? He's like, hey, how you doing? So it was kind of a – had a minute. So I said, I was just looking at this. Check this out. And I showed him the, the tweet and the stats of him relative to Montana. And he's just looking at it. That's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And then he goes, wait a minute. I don't have 205 interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. And I said, I said, I think it includes postseason. He goes, yeah, but 205? <laughs> so we're standing there and we're looking. I said, but you just threw your 520th touchdown the other day. So this has you at 583. So this is definitely the postseason. He goes, yeah, I guess 205. He goes, 40 games, I guess, postseason. <laughs> and then I'm like, holy shit, when you think about it, and just, you're just having a conversation. In two and a half years, 40 games is two and a half extra seasons you've played. You've played 22 and a half seasons. He's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> so, so, oh man! How down to earth the guy is. Tom, hey. can I just get the fuck out of there because I'm not wasting the time? Right, right. <laughs> Tom, just to clarify for our listeners, the the stat you're talking about was actually a compilation of Joe Montana and Steve Correct, Young's yeah. stats together compared against Brady's, and Brady's were more better impressive. in every category. Right. Yeah. So you so the, it was accurate on the interceptions. He so it's pretty funny that he lamented that. So. <laughs> Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, you just verified Santa is real to me. That's what you just did with that answer. Okay, a couple of quick more questions, and then <laughs> and then we'll let you go. Um, what's your favorite stadium outside of the uh, outside of Foxborough? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Why? Absolutely. You come out of that Fort Pitt or whatever the hell it is that mountain. If anybody's been to Pittsburgh, you drive through a mountain, and you pop out the other side, and then it's just this blaze of yellow. You're on a bridge that's yellow. The stadium, both the Steelers and the Pirates Stadium, is off to your left as you're coming out, and all the empty yellow seats are uh, there. You look to your right, and there's the cliff that basically drops off into whichever river that is of the three of them. Uh, the downtown is pretty, uh, pretty vibrant. Um, with museums and colleges, and it still maintains and retains that working-class sensibility. Um, I like it there a lot. I, I think it's really the coolest place that I've, uh, I've covered a game, and I've always felt that way. That's awesome. All right, last question. Gunnar Ozuski is already a fan favorite and a great, great NFL name. What's your favorite NFL name or nickname ever? Night Train Lane would be up there. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, I would have to say Roosevelt Weeks. Yes, that's like a, that's a heck of a name, Roosevelt yeah. Roosevelt Weeks. Yeah. Um, Billy Joe Dupree, I'm going with 70s stuff, because that's when yeah. the shit really sticks in your brain. Right. Forrest Ivory. Oh, yes. Um, so those, those are... Uh, 
You just don't get a lot of horrors anymore. Yeah, you really, you really don't. You really don't. Tom, I really want to thank you for coming on today. I appreciate you taking the time out. Hopefully it was fun for you. But uh, to oh, all- it was a lot of fun. It yeah. Really, it really was a lot of fun. Awesome. And, you know, people reach out and you're like, ah, shit, I got so much to do today. Am I going to have time to do this? Oh, Christ, I don't want to do this. But thank you for making it fun for me. Ah, uh, awesome. <laughs> so uh, just for everyone out there, if you want to find Tom on, on Twitter, he's at at Tom E. Curran with the best Twitter profile ever. A quote from Akib Talib: People that dry hump stats to make a point probably prefer reading sheet music to hearing the song. I love that. <laughs> Can I ask you something? Yeah. What's your inclination? Did Akib Talib say that or not? You know, I would have thought no, but the fact that you're quoting him he there, did oh, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So it's great that I stand up there for journalistic integrity 20 minutes ago on the podcast, but now I'm like fake quoting So, so that's a goof, because Akib is not the most articulate guy, I guess, right? So who said it? No, is, he, are those says your... funny, he says some funny was That was me, because I get tired of people oh, okay. like, just talking about analytics. Good. So that was that was little Tommy Curran came up with that. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, mind blown. All right, Ed, Ryan, people, uh, Tom, you got a podcast as well, right? Yes, it's uh, it's it's been converted from Quick Slant the podcast to Tom Curran's Patriots Talk podcast. The reason being, we wanted to be able to. They offered us the opportunity to be able to use the word Patriots in the title, but you could not have the word Patriots because for search engines, you don't want to be pretending that you're a Patriot, um, whatever, Patriot sponsored or branded. So we had to put a name before it. Um, so it says now Tom Curran's Patriot Talk Podcast, but my guy Phil Perry is with me on that um, all the time, as is Matt Castle, um, former Patriots quarterback that started and he's been great. So give that a listen to Tom Curran's Patriot Talk Podcast. Awesome. Check it out, everyone. Tom, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks again. Okay, take care, guys, and really nice talking to you. I enjoyed it. All right. What, remind people where they can find you, Ed. <laughs> At Ed Nathanson on Twitter. Ed underscore Nathanson on Instagram. Redpilltalent.com. Ed Nathanson on LinkedIn. See you soon, my friends. Are you, are you not, are you not Bill does not necessarily talk much. <laughs> 